Welcome to r slash, a podcast where I read the best posts from across Reddit. Today's subreddit is r slash pro revenge. Our next Reddit post is from California Oldtimer. Okay, this happened years ago, in 1985 to be exact. So, after my second retirement, I started doing property management. I bought this 2,500 square foot luxury home with the sole intention of renting it out. Now, I didn't know how bad the HOA was, but when I became the owner, I soon found out. This took place in two years' time. Karen, the president of the HOA, would literally have a problem with everyone in the neighborhood. Trash cans left out, fined. Loud music after 10pm, fined. Yard sale without permission, fined. Removing dead plants and replanting without approval, you get fined. It went on and on like this. Now, the community could run for the HOA board, but the HOA board chose the president. Six out of the ten members on the board liked Karen, so she always kept her job. Her husband was in the medical field, so he made a lot of money. It got to a point where she was called Queen Karen in the neighborhood for dishing out HOA fines. Now, I used to go in person to collect the rent because the people that rented the house were good friends of mine. I did this for months, so I would park my car by the front of the garage. My friends and I were having some music on, but it wasn't that loud. Queen Karen came over driving her golf cart and said, Excuse me? Yeah? You have to turn that music down. It's too loud. I told her that it's 8pm and that even loud music can be played until 10. She wasn't having it and demanded that I do so. Now, my friends and I kept the music going and we were enjoying ourselves. She proceeded to get angry and fined me. Now, most people will just take the abuse and pay the fine, but not me. I went to the HOA board, contested the fine, and won. From that point on, Queen Karen made it her personal mission to destroy me. She would complain and fuss about every little thing. I fought what I could, but I did end up paying for some of it. She also went after my tenants, which made things worse for me. I had a sit-down with my friends one night to discuss the problem. When I parked my car, Queen Karen came over in a robe and said I have to park somewhere else. I did, because I didn't want to start anything. We see her go back into her house and embrace a man who isn't her husband. We were being nosy, and we came to the conclusion that she was cheating on her husband. Spoiler alert, she was. My friends and I told Queen Karen's husband. I'm sure he did some investigating, because three months later they divorced and he was moving his stuff out. Now, according to the gossip, Queen Karen got nothing because she was the one who cheated and she didn't have a job. So she wasn't entitled to the money. From this point on, Queen Karen had a massive decline in the quality of life that she had. She sold her car and got a cheaper one and she adopted different dressing habits. But even after the divorce, she never got a job and she was still living somewhat better than everyone else. Fast forward a year later in February. Queen Karen and the HOA had been giving out fines for very obscure things and increased monthly dues. Having trash cans out a couple of hours early or after the trash man left would result in a fine. They were targeting people who had older or dirty cars and on and on. Me and the other people of the community were sick of the stunts that she and the HOA were pulling. So at the next meeting, we showed up to voice our concerns. Queen Karen said that the community had been falling behind on repairs and that the dues had increased and fines were necessary, especially if people weren't maintaining their own property. She said that it was in the yearly budget report and that we should have read it. The other pissed residents and I go to read the statement. Now, none of us read it because we take it as junk mail and disregard it. But we read the whole statement cover to cover. 
Queen Karen had increased the HOA budget 15%, and where that extra money was going remained unknown. We went over to her house the next day and demanded to know where the extra money was being spent, but she refused several times. She closed the door and went back to watching TV. We filed a joint lawsuit to find out where the money was going. In June, we found out. Cue the revenge. Queen Karen was living off of the HOA fines and dues. The dues increase was because she was running out of money. She still didn't have a job, so she embezzled from the HOA so she wouldn't have to get a job. She gets busted. We called the police on her for embezzling the money. She was charged with fraud and extortion. The neighbors and I filed a joint lawsuit against Karen to get reimbursement as well. She had no money, so she had to mortgage her house to pay us all. She later went to federal prison for six years with no parole. Because she went away, no one was paying on our house. The bank foreclosed on it and it was bought by someone else. So when she got out in 1992, she was homeless. Honestly, the majority of us didn't want to ruin her life like this. Had she toned down the excessive fines, we would have let her be. But she had to double down and steal from us because she didn't want to get a job like everyone else. As someone who professionally reads Reddit posts for a living, I've learned that I will never, ever buy a house that's part of an HOA. Our next Reddit post is from Vicodin. First up, some backstory. During my gap year between studies, I decided to work for Company N. Company Inn was run by a husband, Dave, and wife, Karen, with their son and basically treated their staff like a small family. All was well for about two months until I realized I had to ask for a day off since I wanted to attend the last Slayer concert the band would give in my country. There was about a month to go, so I sent an email asking for the day off and explaining why. This is where everything started to go downhill. I got a reply from the Karen and her reply was... weird. She stated that's not how asking for a day off works. I was confused to say the least. Not sure what to do, I thought she wanted a more formal way of asking, so I wrote a formal email asking for the day off. She shot an email back that I really had to think through what I was doing, which made even less sense to me. But I was hopeful since I never really got a specific no. The next workday rolls around. I arrived, lock up my bike, and head inside for work. I immediately started looking for Dave to ask for answers. Before I could even open my mouth, he asked me, Do you still want to go to that concert? I didn't expect him to ask this so quickly, so I answered yes. The only thing he said back was, Okay, take off your vest and you can go home. I was stunned, and while the words started to sink in, I looked at my colleagues who were just preparing for opening. When it finally sank in, anger flowed in. I'm not a confrontational person, so I simply took off my vest and gave it to Dave. Without a word, I left and started biking home. When I got back home, I told my mother what happened. We started sending emails for extra information and got very Karen-like emails back. After a couple of emails, which went basically nowhere, I looked up the laws for immediate dismissal. After reading up about it, I learned that in my country, somebody can be immediately fired when they're caught stealing, committing fraud, the person isn't able to do the work, or refuses to do the work. I didn't do any of these. A day or two later, I met with my attorney and began the steps to sue Company N. I told my lawyer what happened in detail, and he was very confident that I was in my right and they were not. So, after trading even more emails between the three of us, we went to small claims. 
I came prepared in a suit with my attorney in tow, and Karen showed up alone. I guess she assumed she won because she thought she was in her right. The trial began, and I was as professional and objective as I could be. Karen was the same. Well, for about half of the trial. When she realized evidence was piling up against her, she resorted to calling me a spoiled brat, among other things that I don't know the English translation for. It's safe to say that that was the point the judge ruled in my favor. As per usual, I had to wait a month before I got the verdict back in the mail, but I won. It may have taken about six months from the moment I was told to go home to the point that those six months of pay were transferred to my bank account, but it was 100% worth it. In the end, I went to the concert, and it was the most awesome and most profitable concert I've ever been in my life. So we don't know what country OP lives in, so it's hard to estimate how much he got paid for this. But let's just say for sake of argument that the average salary in America is something like $40,000. So six months would mean half of that, which is $20,000. So that means essentially that this entitled couple paid this guy $20,000 to attend the concert. Not too bad. Our next Reddit post is from Relatively Sorrowful. For context, back in 2013, I was a graduate student pursuing my master's degree. That was my last year in the program. We had 24 months to finish all the work in the dissertation. My advisor was my professor who was very well known and experienced on my field of work. Let's call her Janet. Janet and I had worked together with research since my college days as I became part of the undergraduate research with her. At that point, we had been working for about four years together, and as with any advisor-student relationship, we had our disagreements quite often. Janet was used to doing her experiments in a certain archaic way. I knew there were better uses of our grant money and always tried to push towards a more advanced method, especially correlating data collection and statistics. However, our relationship was always good. I knew her husband and had been to her house numerous times. She was a little set in her ways, but we managed to make good progress in our field. Anyhow, by the end of 2013, I presented my dissertation to the department and was approved with flying colors. My data still wasn't published in any paper, as I wanted to have more analysis in different areas to make a more robust and better paper. With that said, my dissertation was published, and it's my work and my experiments. After I got my master's, I decided to pursue a PhD. While I was still going to work in the same field, I wanted to use different techniques and thus talked with Janet about going to pursue a PhD under a different professor in another university. She always encouraged me to do better and look for ways to diversify my views. I went ahead and contacted a professor outside of my country in another university to pursue my PhD. I got approved and soon moved away. For the next two years, I still kept contact with Janet, but on the third, she stopped responding. Initially, I thought she had changed her email or something, but didn't think much of it. Time flew by, and in 2017, while reading papers and writing my own, I came across a paper that was strangely similar with my research. Interested in it, I opened it up and read it. To my shock, it was a paper by my ex-advisor. She and one of her master's students were listed as authors of that paper. Reading the title, I thought, hey, that's neat. She continued researching it. But boy, was I wrong. Reading the paper, I got increasingly angry. That wasn't new research. It was my research. My data was all in that paper, even my graphs and tables. Initially, I thought, oh, well, she's also an author, and if she's citing it, there shouldn't be a problem. 
But unfortunately, that wasn't the case. My name was nowhere near that paper, and they claimed the research was original. Now, I was livid. I sent an email to Janet confronting her, which she never replied to. However, I am not a pushover and will never allow people to claim my own work as theirs. She made a mistake by using my data. I'm a researcher and I keep everything I ever worked on saved in external SSDs encrypted and in my own possession. All cataloged with data entries and even had my own dissertation to prove my work. In my country, research is financed by government grants. I wrote an email to the dean of the grants institution explaining the situation with proof of everything. I also sent an email to the journal in which that was published contesting their paper and explaining everything. It didn't take longer than 15 days for me to get a follow-up. The institution responsible for the grant was furious. They cut all financial aid for her and her student and made a formal requirement to the university requesting her immediate termination. The journal retracted the paper and is now suing her for plagiarism. Now, after all these years, I learned that she was indeed fired and hasn't been able to work in the field ever since. I never met her again and have no intention of ever doing so. Now my work is published and I'm recognized by my contributions in the field. Maybe that was a petty thing to do, but I couldn't allow people to get away with claiming my work as theirs. OP, that was not petty. That was straight up theft. That professor had it coming to her and I sincerely hope that she has nightmares about you. Our next Reddit post is from Tylock. When finishing up my degree in criminal justice, we had to learn about how the justice system works and how sometimes it doesn't. For about two weeks, we studied a case from the early 90s of a woman who had killed her husband. Because the case is public record and a very interesting read, look up Betty Freeberg in 1993. The setting was small town Iowa and the husband was the town drunk. Everyone in town knew him for a drunk, a brawler, a womanizer, and overall just a bad person. His wife was a stay-at-home mom, as she wasn't allowed to work or leave the house aside from getting groceries. He would go home, beat her and violate her, and the cycle would go on and on, and the whole town knew. Neighbors were a quarter mile down the road, but would still call the police when they heard noises. It was well documented, and because he was never a threat to their daughter, the police did nothing aside from take him to jail like a revolving door. Every time he got out, he'd beat her up again. Their daughter was away at college but came home for Thanksgiving. While the father was at work, the daughter told the mother that her father had violated her and that she had even had an abortion because of it. This was the breaking point for the mother. She got her revenge 100-fold. When the daughter went back to school after the holidays and the husband came home, she killed him with his gun at the kitchen table. The table is important because it was a big farm table used for chopping up deer and other livestock. Oh my god. Doing the butchering was her job, and she was good at it. If you could find the case report, it has pictures of the table and clear marks of chopping. She chopped up her husband and scattered his body over the neighboring farms, and fed what she could to her livestock and cleaned up. Months went by, and winter came and left. Police investigating his disappearance even questioned her while sitting at the table drinking coffee. She explained the marks on the table by explaining that she butchered her own meat and showed the officers her deep freezer. The investigation went on for months until finally a neighbor's dog brought back a body part. They identified it as belonging to him and she was arrested on the spot. 
She pled not guilty and refused any offers. It went to trial, and 12 of her peers judged her not guilty due to extenuating circumstances. She confessed to the crime, explained why she did it and how, and that she had no real choice because no one was going to help her. The farm was hers, and she refused to give it up as it had been her family's home. She was let go entirely for the murder charge. The next week, we had Betty as a speaker to the class to discuss the case, and she was awesome. <laughs> At the time, she ironically sold dismemberment insurance for Aflac. I feel like Betty would be the best dismemberment insurance salesman on planet Earth. Well, when I chopped my husband up into little pieces, boy do I wish I had gotten dismemberment insurance first. My daughter would have gotten so much insurance money, and I might have been able to use some to defend myself in court. So, if you're thinking about chopping up your husband, I really recommend the Premium Deluxe Decapitation Package. That was r slash pro revenge, and if you like this podcast, then check out my Patreon where I publish extra MP3s. Also, be sure to follow my podcast, because I put out new Reddit podcasts every single day.